Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Good morning, Peter. How are you today? I'm great, Eric. How about yourself? Happy July 4th weekend. Yes, I've got all my fingers still, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, you know, on this podcast, Peter, we have, you know, we off, obviously we talk about financial well-being, financial wellness. Uh, you, you've brought so many topics to the table, uh, but often you sprinkle in guests and you go off topic a bit, which is fun too. And we've had a travel specialist, we've had a wine specialist, uh, you even brought in a moving organization professional, which was just fantastic. I really enjoyed that one. It was very interesting. And today you're talking about healthcare and you've got a special guest on the show today. Yeah. Yeah. There's a common thread to, to all these uh, topics. And, and to me, it's all about wellness and life's a balance and wellness and and certainly you know financial uh but 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 also physical and emotional wellness Th those mm -hmm. are important features as well so being you know financially physically emotionally healthy is is really what's most important uh to me and and, and i try to uh, to to relay that to to our our clients and, and listeners of the podcast so today I'm, I'm really honored to have uh, a special guest and, and it's Dr. Ned Legary. He's actually a, my primary care physician for the last 20 plus years. And we'll be talking about his approach to wellness. Uh, you know, most importantly, uh, Ned's chosen a, a professional path that, that allows him to offer best in class internal medicine uh, for patients in the, in the Boston area, but also gives him ongoing professional and personal satisfaction. Uh, Ned's affiliated with an organization called MDVIP, which is a, a concierge primary care medical practice model. And Ned, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Peter, it's great to be here with you. Great. You know, before we get into our, our topic, um, our, I, I want to extend my gratitude and, and thanks for all those frontline medical workers that have done their best in an incredibly difficult uh, period of time during this you know, global pandemic. And you know, while the crisis is, seems to be waning here in, in at least our part of the United States, it's still raging in, in other parts of the world. And, and, I, and I won't have you speak for the entire medical profession, but but just tell me what it's been like for you pro both personally and professionally over the last year and a half. It's been extraordinarily challenging. It's been extraordinarily rewarding. And um, it takes me back to a time earlier in my career when I was a active duty army physician. And it felt a lot like those days where there was a threat, there was an enemy, and there needed to be a great strategy. And there was a mission that required a lot of coordination and a lot of dedication. And it was really something, Peter. I think really only the last 90 days do most physicians who were in that fray feel like they could take a breath. Well, again, th thanks for all that that your your profession has done for for all of us. And uh, I, I know I know the battle rages, and I know there's a long way to go. 
but really thank you and and thanks to all all those that that care as, as much as you do um so so ned spend a few minutes telling us about uh, your journey to medicine I just sure. think it's always interesting to hear where people are coming from and, and how they got there. Uh, I think back on my journey to become a doctor now, gosh, 32 or so years ago. I grew up in southeastern Massachusetts, uh, went to a parochial high school, uh, Bishopian High School, and uh, really grew up in a working class family. My mom was a second grade school teacher, my dad a salesman, and uh, my brother and I had very common interests as we went through high school. I enjoyed leadership. I enjoyed athletics. I enjoyed a challenge. And uh, most importantly, I, I, I think people are different, but I think most people who go into medicine historically and still today really go into it for the right reasons. They like to help people. And 32 years later, I like a challenge and I like to help people. And uh, I studied hard in high school. Uh, I went to Notre Dame, uh, University of Notre Dame. I had a great four years there. And I realized that I had a daunting bill in front of me. Someone would come knocking on the door someday to collect. And I was lucky enough to win a full scholarship through the United States Army. They give 200 scholarships away. They still do yearly, the three major branches, the Air Force, the Army. Uh, in the Navy. And uh, I got outstanding training uh, in the United States Army. Uh, I spent three years in Denver, Colorado, uh, where I trained and became an internal medicine doctor. I spent a year at the United States Military Academy at West Point, which was a wonderful experience and one that I take have taken with me throughout my life. And I spent two years supporting special forces operations uh, out of, based out of Fort Devens, Massachusetts and Fort Drum, New York. When I left the army in 1995, uh, I was an army major and I circled back to another Notre Dame graduate who was practicing at the hospital that I had my best experience with in training, which was Newton Wellesley Hospital in Newton, Massachusetts. And he, Dr. Bill Holgerson and myself formed a, a group. Uh, we grew that group to 15 doctors, more than 35,000 covered lives. Uh, and I did that until 2011, where I went into a new model of medicine. Yeah, you know, when I first started working with you, uh, your, your internal medicine practice was very well established and, and super busy. Uh, I always felt like I got you know, great service and certainly great advice. And, and then you change your approach to, to serving patients. And, and you know, I, I know why you did that uh, because you've told me, but, but, but tell our listeners that, you know, why you made that change and, and how you did it and what, what was your intention? Uh, I'll start by saying it was honestly one of the most courageous moves of my life. It was the right thing to do at the right time. The reason I say that is that my practice had grown too large. Uh, I was caring for 4,200 people. I had four, sometimes five physician assistants working under me. There were weeks that would go by that I honestly wouldn't see my sickest patients because I had no room on my schedule. I knew it was a matter of 
sands running through the hourglass before something bad happened. And I knew that I was feeling burnt out through that model. I was not, I was, I thought I was giving excellent care, but I knew I could give even better care. I knew I could be a more complete physician for my patients. And uh, I made a decision to have the courage to explore this model. My other option would have been to go into industry because I felt like I couldn't really continue at that pace. So to just to, to, to go on, I uh, did a little research. And at the time, there were two physicians in Boston who were practicing in a retainer model, quote unquote, concierge care. And I really did a very thorough due diligence on the on the entire process, Peter. And I came to the fact that those patients who wanted to come along with me for a modest monthly retainer would enjoy, benefit from, and travel a journey with me on the kind of medical care I really knew I could provide and that I really wanted to provide and the kind of care I was only willing to provide. Ned, what what makes what makes the industry, the medical profession, uh, what what the large numbers of, of patients that you needed to to serve, what what is it about our our medical industry that that got you to that point? Got got me to the point of having so many patients. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's a couple of different things, Peter. I think we practiced, we still practice in a demographic uh, that seeks medical care universally. I think there was a there was an issue of reputation. And I think there was also an issue where I just couldn't at the time say no. And as one matures, this is a life journey. And I'm sure you can say the same thing in your life. But as you move through that journey of life, the decisions that you make sometimes become more refined. For me, one of those decisions were the ability to say no. And I've just started really as a person uh, to be able to say that. And at the time I couldn't, that's why my practice built a 4,200. Yeah. It is hard. You, you, you want to, you, you, you want to do what you do well, which is to help people and serve people. And, and you want to keep on saying, saying yes. Yeah, Yeah. we can, we can do that. It's hard to do that, particularly when you have that many people. So this model was really, really was enticing when we launched in the spring of 2011, uh, there was a lot of mixed reviews. And and I remember one of my patients very well, a Boston Globe writer wrote a op-ed on the model. And uh, clearly in the op-ed, he had to make a decision whether he was going to buy a new skull to go rowing on the Charles River or pay a monthly retainer to me to be his private physician concierge doctor and he chose the skull and I thought that was pretty whimsical but it it, it's really it sort of was emblematic at the time of how much of a lightning rod this was because it was so new in the Boston area yeah well why why do you think it was such a lightning rod I mean I I, well you know I I, yeah you know I, I I can understand historically why it was it was a it could be perceived as being a bit divisive. It could be perceived as being a bit elitist. It could be perceived as uh, not being the kind of care that represents equity. 
uh, in our society. So for those reasons, I think in part, that is why it was such a hard thing to move through. I know retrospectively, it was the way I was able to stay in medicine. And honestly, it has been very, very satisfying because I've gone from five to 10 minute office visits to sitting with my patients, working through my patients' issues with them until they feel as though they are fully vetted uh, and that we have a plan to move forward. Yeah, I know personally, I, I felt that way that I, frankly, you, I, I always felt you gave me the time that, that we needed, but since the change, it's been unfettered. <laughs> it's, it's, been, it, it's been generous. And, and, and in those conversations, um, you, you're able to deepen the relationship. And, and, and that's, what, that's what medical care is all about. It's a, it's a relationship business, I think. I, I think you're 100% correct. I think when you get sick, God forbid you get sick, but when, the, when my patients get sick and they're admitted to the hospital, myself and my colleagues are the very rare physicians who will show up at your bedside today in an acute care hospital and make sure you understand what's going on and help, if you will, broker the proper care for you by interacting with the medical subspecialists and hospitalists who are providing that care. And I think that is another really, really solid and important point. Yeah, I think I think so. You know, just, you know, th this podcast, we call it Wealth is in the Details. And, uh, you know, it, if you're not spending time with with your patients, it's hard, I would think it's, it's hard to dive into and focus on those details of their medical care, which is so, so important. You know, one of the really privileges of this model is again, not to speak about you, Peter, but it, when we talk, I know your story. I know your medications in my head today, as I'm talking to you, I know the things that you've had in your past. I know your wonderful family. Uh, I know the things that are important to you. And all of those issues, all of those issues play into how well you're feeling, into how well you're doing, and in terms of how long you may live and what quality of life you may have. Yeah, it's it's, it's so vital. And it, it if it, I know as a as you your patient, it feels good to be um, held up, you know, and, and valued, and that's that's the way it feels. And I, and I'm sure many many uh, uh, patients of of many doctors feel that way. So um, it's not to say that it can't be done in a traditional uh, relationship, but but I know that's what I've got been able to get out of out of your your practice. Uh, and I particularly like the model that I joined. I, I don't know if you've looked, Peter, but in the greater Boston area, when you look at Kuncher's care, which to me, that entire vernacular doesn't sit right with me. I like to, I like to feel it's more personalized medicine, and that is how I see it. But when you look at personalized medicines, Kuncher's care in greater Boston, the cost differential... I don't, have you have you seen what the cost differential is? The the highest care providers in Boston charge upward to twenty thousand dollars a year to care for their patients. The mean in Boston is somewhere between five and seven thousand dollars per year to care for patients. The MDVIP model 
is different than that. When I look at the patients I care for, I'm honestly telling you, I care for my, the patients I've known forever like yourself, but they're school teachers, they're policemen, they're firemen, they're clergy at a price point of approximately 2000 a year at the monthly cost of less than probably your cable bill, you have somebody that you know that you can count on. This was the pa- this is the 4th of July weekend this past weekend. Had you called me on Saturday or Sunday and told me that you had an issue, there was something going on in the family, you need to bounce off me, I would have called you back and we would have had a conversation on the 4th of July. There's value to me to be able to provide that care to you because I know you so well and I feel like I'm producing a good product for you, trying to help you. And I get a lot from that. And from you, there's something that the person on the other end of the phone, you've had a long-term relationship with, you know, you can count on that person and you know what to expect from that person when you reach out. Yeah, there's certainly value. I I believe very strongly that there's tremendous value here. And and, uh, when you first introduced it to me so many years ago, I thought about it for a second. I said, yeah, I want to keep on I want to keep on working with Ned and let's give it a try. It just made sense. And it's, it's proven to be, to be the case that it's been a great, a great model for, for us, for, for, for me and my family. Uh, just, to, just to get into some of the nitty gritty of, of, of how it works, how does this personalized model change a patient's relationship with insurance or Medicare? Uh, or, how about the networks that, uh, that many of us are in? You know, I have to say, that was a point of challenge until about a decade ago. And there was a absolute sea change that took place when the major healthcare systems, just speaking for our marketplace, but when the major healthcare systems in our marketplace saw the value of this model, endorsed it, and created within the walls of their institutions, similar practice models. Fascinating. When the Massachusetts General Hospital decided they were going to open up a division of private healthcare, which is what they referred to it as, the walls came down. Hmm. Harvard Pilgrim, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, Tufts of Massachusetts. Uh, If there was any point of obstruction to contract negotiation for doctors who were providing a personalized care model, it evaporated. And in today's marketplace in Greater Boston, all of the insurers, without exception, recognize the model, accept the model, and insure for the model. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So as far as I'm concerned, as a, as a patient of yours, the insurance company is reimbursing me for our visits, for anything that you order, any of the, the drugs, the tests, whatever happens. It, it, it just is the same. There's no difference. It's seamless. It, yeah. it, it, it wasn't always that way. There were some wrinkles, but over the last decade, it's become seamless. Yeah. So, so you, you, you're you're a professional, you're a doctor, but you, but you're also a business owner, uh, and like any business owner, you you deal with with challenges. And when I've had business owners on the on the podcast, I like them to I like to ask them 
to go through what we call a SWOT analysis. And it's where uh, we discuss your business's strengths, weaknesses, and the opportunities and threats that you see coming coming uh, on over the next you know three to five years. Mm-hmm. So would you spend just a few minutes talking about this uh, these strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats? Sure, uh, I'll do my best. I am a part owner in a small business and have been since 1995. We have employees. We have the same kinds of overhead expense that any small business owner would have. And last year was a perfect example of how a private doctor has to work just like a grocer to make sure that he can make payroll, make sure that he can pay his bills. Last year was a challenging year. Revenues were dramatically down. We uh, were able to thankfully secure one of the government loans. Uh, We were able to keep our staff fully employed. Uh, We adjusted on the fly where we were, the doctors were were in the office each and every day last year. People were sick each and every day. Really kind of a a scary year in retrospect Uh, for my small group of people. I care for a total of 600 people. 600 people is the maximum amount of members an MD VIP doctor can have in order to fulfill the obligation of the model, which is to provide care to you when you need it and to provide ample time for you when you come in. So of the 600 plus people that I care for, uh, we saw five deaths in our practice last year. We saw several suicide attempts. We saw a lot of sick people. All of this going on with a dramatic uh, decrease in the amount of office visits that we were entertaining. And like any small business, we, we did our very best to keep our folks fully employed. So when you asked me specifically about the strengths of the model, the strengths of the model, the strength of the model, I believe, is the asset that the model produces, which is the care provided by the physicians who provide the care within the model. The strengths are the people who support the physicians providing that care. I think of my assistant, uh, who you know very well, Luann. She is spectacular, Peter. She knows you well. You call her on the phone. She knows exactly who you are. She knows whatever nuance that you have, that how you like things done, what's important to you. She's an amazing strength. Another strength of our model is the educational piece that we provide. I know you know we have a close tie with the College of the Holy Cross. At all times, we have three young people in our office, people who are trying to make their way uh, into medicine. And through an experience that we provide for these for three people at all times, we're giving those folks 2,000 hours a year in direct patient contact, which really bolsters their curriculum vitae. They're a strong part of the face of our practice. Our patients like young, smart, engaging young people. I think they're really part of the strength of our practice. I think another strength is the fact that you know you you can reach out to me 24 seven, 365. If you have an issue, I'll get back to you any day. Those same strengths provide the basis of our greatest weakness. 
weaknesses. Unlike a really good baseball team, where if the second baseman goes down, you can pull in another guy out of the dugout or something happens to the outfielder and you need another outfielder, you carry six outfielders. We have three doctors in our practice and our weakness is if something happens to one of those three doctors, the business model predicated on shared overhead, 33, 33, 33, is a challenge. It's challenged. The care provided to the patient becomes a challenge. We all need to step up and help each other. I'd say that's probably the biggest weakness is the lack of depth that we have. But I would think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I think that would be probably akin to most small businesses that provide a service. Oh, yeah. Depth. I think most professional services have, the, have the similar, that similar strength and that similar weakness. Definitely the case. Opportunities. Gosh, you know, I, I have to tell you, part of the success of the model for me has just been fortuitous in the sense that I provide the care I provide in the geographic area that I do. You know the area well. It's West Suburban Boston. It has a large group of well-educated, hardworking people who value their health, value healthcare, uh, and value a relationship within that context. Um, you had also asked me about threats. Maybe a bit naive. I had to think a lot about threats. Thankfully, thankfully, our practice has been on, on autopilot for a little bit here. Um, we're always trying to do better because I know you know if you're staying in the same space and not moving forward, you're actually moving backwards. You know my great interest, which is preventive healthcare. I really like it. That's not lip service. I really enjoy it. You know my interest around preventing cardiovascular illness. I have a great illness around early, I have a great rather interest in terms of early detection around cancer. That'll be my next big push over the next several years is working very hard with genomics that are becoming available to help folks head off cancer before it manifests. So as a threat, the threat is external to myself. The threat is, should there be, again, a major change in the way healthcare is delivered where this model is revisited because of geopolitical reasons, that would be my principal threat. Yeah, but I, I, I would imagine that um, you, because your primary, because as a primary care uh, practice, and your focus on preventive care, your the results of your practice, meaning the 600 patients that you that you see, are quite good. So I would I would imagine that um, there's always a threat of legislation and 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 politics getting into <laughs> into everything. But I would think that uh, the results are there for you. You know, in healthcare, we have so many metrics. Healthcare has become seamless within the walls. So 
all the doctors and all of the administrative staffs across the city can see the results. And when I think of my colleagues and myself, and I can see our quality metrics around preventive health care, they are honestly, Peter, the finest that are in the city. And that's simply because we have the opportunity to sp spend more time with our patients, get to know them inordinately well, and help take them through the path of making sure that they're getting done what they need to get done uh, to help prevent disease in the first place. Yeah. Ned, are, are, are the are demographics kind of the aging of, of our, the, you know, metropolitan Boston, has that changed healthcare uh, in general and in, in your practice in, in particular? I really think it has. Um, it is a challenge that we see at the level of the healthcare system where the thesis is a different thesis. We're hearing different things than we were hearing as recently as a decade ago. The vernacular within the healthcare systems is to practice at the highest level of your license. And so the way that manifests is in large part, a lack of continuity of care. So if you're a patient and you're going to a hospital-based or even a large primary care practice, often you will see uh, a physician assistant or a nurse practitioner. And I, do, I wanna make sure I'm clear about this. A nurse practitioner, certainly the nurse practitioners that I've worked with and the physician assistants I've worked with provide superb care. Um, with that said, you're not going to likely see your own physician for something which is not deemed to be urgent or serious. So as the demographic and the number of providers further becomes diluted among the population, the vernacular is population health management and population-based medicine. And that's completely understandable given the statistics that we see. But in fact, it's the antithesis to the personalized medicine and the personalized medical framework for which you receive your care. Hmm. That's really, that's fascinating. So, so Ned, how, how does someone that's interested in, in, in hearing more about this personalized medicine model, concierge medicine, whatever we want to call it. You know, how do they gather information? How do they, who do they talk to? How can they find a doctor that, that, that might be accepting new patients? It's, it's actually, Peter, believe it or not, that has become a challenge. But uh, what I would say is word of mouth. Uh, if you have a friend who uh, has a personalized healthcare physician, a probably the best way would be to have an introduction through your friend to that person. In our model, my model, the model that uh, we've adopted, which is MDVIP, you would go to mdvip.com. Uh, MDVIP is the world's largest provider of personalized healthcare. And they have a well-oiled machine that will help uh, most everybody find this kind of care if that's what they desire. Hmm. Yeah, I think I've heard that that's a challenge. Um, thank goodness I, I teamed up with you a long early time on. Ago, early on, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, Ned, you know, you, so 
you told us what you, your goal is to keep people healthy physically and emotionally. And, uh, you know, just as again, this is my impression, you do that by listening, by, by spending a lot of time with them, asking a lot of questions. And I, I'm pretty certain your patients like, like myself value the service and advice and are, are just willing to pay that, mo that modest fee. And it really is a modest fee for, for that access. Uh, and I understand the model and I'm willing, I value what I get and therefore I'm willing to pay for it. Uh, and your specialty is primary care, but, but you certainly refer your patients to best in class specialists in, in the Boston area. So, you know, I, I look at this, I say, we have a lot in common. You know, I, I believe our clients uh, at, at the Raskin Planning Group value our service and advice and, and are willing to pay that, that modest fee. Uh, and we also refer them to other professionals like attorneys and accountants and mortgage spell specialists and stock and bond investment managers and, and so on and so forth. So, so our clients and your patients have something in common. They value service and, and, and really that attention to the detail. Uh, I, I don't know if I've told you this, Ned. I don't think so. But, but over the years, I've actually bumped into a lot of my existing clients in your waiting room. <laughs> And, and to me, it's just evidence that, you know, we work with similar kinds of people that and those people are those value, good advice, good service, and, and want someone to, to be there when, when they call. Exactly. So, so thanks so much, Ned. This has been fabulous. I'm, I'm so glad we, we got a chance to talk. Um, I, I think the information is really important for people to hear that there are other models. The business of medicine is so very complicated. And, it's, and if you're healthy and you don't need a lot, then it just, you know, it doesn't seem very complicated. But if all of a sudden there's something that chronic occurs, uh, something that's serious, you do want, you want that best team in place. You, you want people like you to, to help manage that process. So thanks for, for all that you've done, you do. And thanks for all that you've done. Thank you so much for having me on, Peter. Oh, sure. My pleasure. Guys, this is fantastic. I, I got to be honest. It was so interesting to me. Um, Ned, as you were speaking, I had a flashback. I had this memory that was just buried deep inside from years ago of Doc Baker. Do you know who that is? <laughs> no, I don't. Doc Baker. That was the that was the doctor on Little House on the Prairie. I loved oh, that show oh, when I was yes. a kid, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Doc Baker knew every family. The, he, it was personalized care, obviously house calls, you know, horse and buggy and all that stuff. I'm sure you're not taking a horse and buggy. However, <laughs> what I'm hearing is that that that's it's almost like a, a throwback to how medicine used to be. The, you know, spending that time with a family, spending that time with a patient. Um, I, I know that doctors are incredibly busy and I echo Peter's sentiments when, when we say thank you to all those frontline workers. Uh, but the, I've never heard of the model that you've described here today. And I, I'm just blown away. But that was a, immediately flashed in my mind was Doc Baker and, and how personal he was with every family, knew everybody and, and sat down, you know, and had broke bread with them on occasion and, and just had discussions. And so I, I had to say that because I just I thought it was phenomenal that that what you're doing is really going back to the old school way where where doctors knew their patients that well that, you know, they knew the family that well. So I applaud you. I thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Peter, again, I, you're making connections with me and bringing up memories that are just fantastic. I, I always bring in great guests. So thank you so much for doing that. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.